You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined by Alex Talcat, and he is the owner of Lexton Real Estate, and he is joining us from a river in New Hampshire. Alex, welcome to the show. So glad we finally made it happen. Yeah, you got it, man. And you know when people say, you know, I'm living the dream, I am literally living the dream because I'm talking with you from my deck at my dream house. And I wouldn't recommend this as a best practice for everybody looking at investment property. But when I first set foot on this land before the listing agent showed up, I called my wife and I was like, honey, we're buying it. (laughs) So um, I live on the Lamprey River in New Hampshire. It's a 50 mile river and uh, it is my dream house. Awesome. Are you originally from New Hampshire? No, um, I was born in New York City, thus the talking loud and fast. Um, That hasn't (laughs) worn off. But uh, I met my wife when I was 18 years old at Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire. And we named our son Hanover. So we're like kind of crazy about New Hampshire. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your background, uh, how you got into real estate investing and uh, what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So when people ask what my first real estate experience was. Um, sometimes I think to go back to third grade when a state legislator came to class and talked about uh, an environmental bill that he was working to pass to clean up a local pond. And I was fascinated that a piece of paper could lead to something productive in the real world. So I legit was interested in the notion of land use when I was eight. Um, my first direct experience with it was probably summer after my first year of law school where one of the name partners at the firm I was clerking with had a real estate practice that involved municipalities. And so I saw the connection between zoning and local laws and what could or couldn't happen uh, all that easily, all that expensively, all that well in different suburbs of Chicago. Um, I didn't really get investing in real estate in earnest on purpose until summer of 2019. Oh, wow. So, um, what, what made the, what made, what made the switch, what what sparked you to finally dump, jump in? Yeah. So, you know, I continue to practice law. Um, I work in financial planning, but looking at real estate as more than just an asset class came to fruition because of some investments that I made in professional development where I saw real estate as a place where, um, not only I could get the cash flow. Not only would it be an alternative asset class, but um, I had the chops and the resources to make a full-fledged business out of it. So without predicting the imminent demise of the stock market, and it's a good thing that I didn't in 2019 because I've had a really great ride in the two years since then, um, we've been able to grow our team uh, to the point where we have property in 10 states and we got a team of 27 working on analyzing deals and doing good asset management. Well, it's a pretty, uh, pretty fast ramp up, um, pretty, pretty rapid infrastructure build out. So tell us, tell us more, what kind of properties do you own? What do all those people that work for you do? And, um, sometimes I wonder, no, no, I'm messing. (laughs) I no, no, quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. Um, I have a lot of love uh, for people on our team. And a lot of that love is born out of the fact that I have a decade of college teaching under my belt. uh, And 
I've brought on a number of my prize students as interns, uh, as junior analysts. So um, we trademarked aggressive passive real estate. Um, we don't want to be passive aggressive ever, but we are very aggressive, not in the risk that we take on, but frankly, maybe patting ourselves on the back with the level of analysis that we put into our deals. So one of the things I don't like about real estate investing are some of the folks who almost advertise their syndications on the basis of, hey, I messed up in my life earlier on, or I messed up. I, I wasn't cut out for this sector or that sector. And you know, just because people messed up and weren't on the straight and narrow earlier in their career doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be successful in entrepreneurial real estate investing. So sure. I'm much more interested in the Sterling Chapmans of the world, the people who have an MBA, oh yeah, and are not waiting for somebody to give them a stack of work to do. So uh, we've been able to attract a lot of um, young, early career, hungry, multi-talented people who put a lot of, of thought into our deals to make sure that we're not giving up on our margins, that we're still hitting the high standards that we have for cash flow on our deals, and that we're prepared for the inevitable future. So we embrace technology. We embrace international aspects of our business. The bread and butter of our business uh, would be single family homes, however. So that's something that makes us weird where we've grown by our headcount. What are you doing with the single family homes? Say it again. What are you doing with the single family homes? You flipping them? Are you renting no. them out? What are you doing? No, with no, them? no. Um, I, I want to buy and hold uh, as, as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. And I don't do it stubbornly. I don't do it stubbornly. It's not because I don't want to. It's not because I overly fall in love with my deals or anything like that. But, you know, as with most everything, best case scenario, the default should be that you have it forever whether that's a spouse, whether that's an investment. And it's only if other opportunities arise that you maybe consider trading them in. Um, I ain't trading in my wife. I ain't (sighs) trading in uh, any of our properties yet. So um, the single family homes that we acquire, sometimes they're a work in progress if they come by way of a package. So a lot of single family homes in Birmingham and other places um, have almost a securitized or a diversification or a, a bundled aspect to it where they're um, a, a acquired take in the, groups, not take as the bad with the good, take the bad with the good. That's the, that's the facts of life. Yeah. The facts of life. We got the 80, 80s TV. Yeah, exactly. You do that sometimes and we do that. Um, but a lot of times I got to tell you, based on our relationships and our follow through um, in different ways that we show love to our operators in different markets, we get some pretty choice access to turnkey properties. Nice. So what is your, what is your model exactly then? Are you syndicating like large portfolios of single family houses? We're not syndicating. Um, I think it's very, very likely we're planning towards being a go for syndication in 2022. And so that aggressive passive trademark phrase that we have, is going to go along with a domain that I purchased, agpass.com. So this notion of people as passive investors benefiting from the aggressive work that we put into it is our kind of promise to the market. But up until this point, it's been private capital and it's been joint ventures on our deals. Cool. So I like a few things you said. Um, I've heard the same um, same folks out there advertising their, their oh, I got into real estate because I sucked at everything else. Right. And, and I don't, I don't, I mean, that's, that's a cute story, 
but I, I, I personally like, like, you know what, you know what another big thing is that you hear a lot is people super, super bash on college and they're like, Oh, you don't need to college is stupid. You don't need to go to college. Like granted, everything's stupid. I totally understand that you could become a successful real estate investor without a college education, but it didn't hurt. You know what I mean? Like now, if you if you go out and get one hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt for a theater degree, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's probably not the best way to become a successful real you estate. Investor. Yeah, I, I'm so so my arts credit to complete my liberal arts undergraduate degree was in theater. And I didn't get the full A. I got an A minus. And um, that one hurts. Nothing one wrong. Hurts. Nothing wrong with with, you know, I, I, I love the theater. I'm not bashing theater. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> I'm just no, no, saying I know exactly I, what you mean. You, you know, know like, when it comes to when it comes to advanced study or graduate degrees, like, I talk more people out of law school than I talk into law school. And well, a lot of times it, the, the calculation is really just it, it, it's it is. Yeah, it's the cost of doing it. But how about the foregone income for a few years? Like, that's a big deal. Yeah. I another thing I like what you said is that you have a lot of um, a lot of interns working for you. I've been really interested in tapping into our local college market to have like I would love to talk with you about how I've gone about doing that. It's uh, something I take a lot of pride in. How did you go about doing that? Yeah. So um, it's interesting as a teacher because you would think that, oh, one of the cool things that you could do as an adjunct who's like a, a local business owner is, you know, from time to time you can scout the best. Um, that really didn't work out for me for a number of years. It's only up until very, very recently that that has, um, that that has manifested. I mean, I guess part of that is because I built out other aspects of my team where I usually am sort of the absent-minded professor. Um, I like to fill the top of funnel with a lot of different ideas and initiatives and I don't have time to research them all myself. And uh, I have occurred that not everybody's head is as busy as a place as my head. So my wife doesn't like it when I play a lot of my crazy, like John Coltrane jazz and everything. And I tell her, honey, you think that's bad? Do you have any idea what's going on between these two years? So I got lots and lots of ideas. And it turns out, you know, some people don't. Like some people really want to be given something to like go for. And if you think about personal training or anything, like a lot of people really thrive on being told like, Hey, go do this. And I think it'll be worthwhile if you do this. Hey, I think you can do that. I think that what you would have to say about that, like I only ask people questions if I really care what they have to say about it. So I always tell them, it's like, take it as a compliment. If I give you an assignment or I give you a project. Um, So it's been the ability to invest in being really, really busy and not doing it all myself that I'm able to delegate not just busy work, not clerical stuff, but to actually delegate some of the most interesting stuff that we might not be monetizing today or tomorrow, but this is a cool way to actually prepare early career people to have studied up early career on things that they will be able to directly uh, leverage and monetize and then not do this in future. And, and I'm sure you're finding that some of them do it better than you would. You know, that that's the case with myself, you know, Absolutely. These, these Absolutely. young tech guys that are just, they live on the internet. Like they could Carl, go. Yeah. Let me give a learn. shout out right now. Here, so, so Carl, Carl, if, and when you're listening, I'm thinking about you right now because I just gave a shout out to you, to um, my co-leading partner and Dan Barley and uh, associate Matt Matulis for how good you are at just pulling that tax card, making sense of it, and telling us 
what has or hasn't been done, what can or can't be done based on local zoning on a property that we're continuing. I know how to do that, but I avoid doing that. And Carl Blackstone's, he's an affiliate analyst on our team. His, uh, he, he, those are the tasks that he runs towards as somebody who's a former municipal assessor. Um, so I love finding people and tasks for people that are the things that they almost can't help but do. It really doesn't feel like work. And there are a lot of things that I do that doesn't feel like work to me, but would be excruciating to other people. Even having this conversation, and you're a great guy, Sterling. You know, for some other people, this kind of extroverted public conversation sure. would be really nerve-wracking, but I'm really... I was looking forward to, and I'm enjoying our, our talk now. So some of the stuff that I've done otherwise in terms of just finding people locally and through the university that I teach at um, is also when I travel, um, I also always call on different um, faculty and administrators at other universities. So I had a great visit at Washington University, St. Louis, where they do a great job as an incubator for uh, entrepreneurial programs where they feel so strongly about the consulting prowess of their students that local businesses pay. It's not like, hey, local businesses, can you come up with a project for our students? No, straight, straight face. They flip it at WashU and they say, our students are so good. You pay to get them do a, a project for you. That's a strong move. And I, I learned that. And I thought that was really awesome. Um, there's a, a professor at Florida State University. I really admire what he does in terms of um, real world business law education for his students, not just talking about like appellate decisions, which is a lot of what like law school is. He introduces like real contracts and real negotiations to his undergraduate and graduate students at Florida State. He was sharing publicly on Twitter some of his best practices in business education. He's a Twitter friend who became a real world friend. And guess what? He brought another professor along. We had a great long couple iced coffees um, at Florida State when I was rolling through there. When I was just in North Carolina, I was in Raleigh-Durham. I went to five universities while I was in town, met with administrators, wor administrators working on partnering with them as they launch new concentrations. Um, so we're in a position to help teach, to help mentor. Um, we love partnering with universities. The next university that I'm hoping to get in really good with is White Mountains Community College up in northern New Hampshire because we don't only find good deals in the south where you're from and from the Midwest where there are a lot of good recession-resistant deals, but we're all the way up on the Canadian border. So we're showing love for some community colleges way the heck north. So w you mentioned markets. W what is your criteria? What do you look for in these single family houses? Yeah, I'm trying to think how what my friend um, Logan Freeman called it on, on LinkedIn yesterday. I was just texting with him this morning. Uh, Mr. Kansas City, Chief Kansas City. And he calls himself a professional opportunist. That's it. <laughs> so, so rather than just being, oh, I go anywhere, which is like, what I learned at one point in my career is if you pitch yourself as too much of a generalist, yeah, nobody really knows where to plug you in. Exactly. Jack, Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, exactly. And there are some people, as you know, in real estate who are jack of many trades, master of many trades. There are yeah. some people who are just like prolific doers. True. And, um, you know, so for us, what we leveraged in Birmingham, Alabama was the eight and a half year head start that my partner, an investor and a real estate investor, uh, from Georgia, uh, had been doing in Birmingham. Uh, he also has some interests in New Jersey, Ohio, in Indianapolis, Indiana, but straight up, um, I told him that, uh, for, for, for the sake of your own personal finances and your personal economy, you're in really, really heavy on Birmingham. That didn't stop us from investing more there. 
but we did um, expand to other states. We love places where you can still run the fundamentals. Um, and even in the, we're speaking today on, on June 3rd, 2021, in, in what is a, a hot seller's market just about nationally, right? Sure. Seller's market, low inventory, you're hearing that almost everywhere. Um, the last deal that we went under contract on was a single family home in a state capital in the South where, you know, forget 1% rule, it's a 1.5% rule deal. So that's a fundamental, that's a good base hit to base hit and start cheating towards second base kind of a deal that some people say that you can't get. Oh yeah, and that was on the MLS. So part of our unfair advantage on that deal um, is uh, somebody who's willing to take the lead and go get uh, conventionally financed on it. The fact that we have a local realtor there the fact that we don't have the analysis paralysis, we can we can do our math fast. We have mutual trust. We've gone in on deals together before. So being able to scoop up those one-off uh, houses here and there, it's pretty neat. Yeah, absolutely. So you said somebody was able to go take the initiative and get traditional financing on that. How does that work exactly? Um, was it yeah, one of yeah. your employees? I mean, well, I'm just trying to figure out the overall structure and kind of how that relate, how the whole team is connected. Yeah. So in terms of um, the, the build out of the team and the different participation that we have in deals, we have a compensation structure that we call project options. So some people, when they go to uh, get a W-2 job somewhere, maybe they get stock options. And in my experience as a financial advisor, I actually saw that people would, would be too flattered by their stock options. And so if you had a pretty good job, you know, in greater Boston, Cambridge, Mass, you got stock options, ooh, you, you take them up on it. And if you look at your overall portfolio, it's like, man, you're in heavy on the, uh, you, you are, your, your diversification situation isn't so good. You're invested, you're over-invested in your employer. Like you're invested in them on the level that you work for them. And then look at the, look at the pie chart of how much you got invested in there. Cause you took advantage of all those stock options. That's not always a great idea. So um, I had this idea of project options, project equity options, project debt options that once people work with us and they get to a level where a project option committee votes them in, um, we have them in on equal terms with the company ownership, which is Dan Barley and myself on deals. So once they've contributed enough, once we feel comfortable with their contributions, their scoping out of, of deals and various areas of inquiry, um, we invite them in on deals with us. And so sometimes different, we're taking leads in different ways on various projects. Um, and so that's a cool way to get people in. I don't like the phrase like investor club, where it's like either a couple old guys who have like tons of disposable income and they're kind of gambling effectively and just having something to talk about over their Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Um, but I also don't like investor clubs that are just uh, email newsletters where it's like, hey, anyone could be in the deal. Anyone's in the club. You know, there's a saying, I don't want to be a member of any club that would have me as a member. I think that's Groucho <laughs> Marx. So I wanted to build a true um, project option that is just that, an option. It's people can come into deals. They don't have to. They can come in on deals that maybe they didn't even play a role in researching because I don't want to uh, create some sort of bias for people to gush on a project that we give them thinking like, oh, this is my entree to a deal if I say great things about it. It's like, no, sometimes our analysts help us get to a no and then they're invited in on the deals where we're a definite yes or a probable yes if enough people decide to come together. 
So that's something we really, really like to make available to that tier of people who are project option eligible. And so far, you know, we've found that, you know, if somebody has a college degree, uh, maybe they've interned with us for a period of time, maybe they're putting in a solid 10 to 20 hours a week part-time on top of a day job, you know, they're probably in a position in about six months for us to feel comfortable um, having them in as joint ventures with us on something. And then depending on where we are, um, we'll take leads in different ways. And um, I'm in more of a position, I do a lot of traveling, about half of my time is on the road, um, where Dan is more hunkered down his background. He does real estate litigation, but he also does real estate closings. So he's so good at you know, pushing paper through the process and, and staying on top of that stuff. So different folks on our team make very, very different contributions, but then ultimately we're able to go in on the same deals on the same terms. Awesome. So what, what does the future look like for you guys? Yeah, I think that we're going to continue to place bets on human capital, which is very contrary to other companies. By, by that measure, we're one of the fastest growing real estate private equity companies in the country, which isn't very difficult to um, accomplish because so many people stay so small. Um, there's, there's a lot of um, abundance mentality and scalability talk in real estate, but not a lot of honest bets on the ability of other humans to be as smart or capable um, as we are. So I see a lot of partnerships and a lot of companies max out really small. There's this huge missing middle in real estate private equity that I expect that we will occupy. Uh, and speaking of occupy, I have a t-shirt that says occupy Mars because when I saw Elon Musk wearing it, first time he was holding his baby, I went out and got it. And um, in all seriousness, I would be surprised if we don't own some amount of real estate um, on other planets by the time that my children and, uh, my students take over the company. And so somewhere in between, it's at least having property in Canada <laughs> and a few other places. So I think we're going to embrace humans. We're going to embrace technology. We're going to embrace uh, the planet and others. Awesome. So I want to hop to our radio round real quick, just to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. First question is what's your favorite book? Favorite book I ever read um, other than the Federalist Papers as a collection. Best true book is Confessions um, by St. Augustine. Uh, so the fact that you have somebody who is a saint who still gives himself a pretty hard time from times to time, from time to time tells us that, you know, we, we all have to avoid some of that stinking thinking. And some people sure. say, Hey, I ain't a saint. Well, even saints <laughs> have a struggle. Absolutely. What's your favorite quote? Far better. It is to dare mighty things, win glorious triumphs, than to take rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows not victory nor defeat. Nice. Teddy Roosevelt. Nice. So I tried to give you just for our listeners, I tried to give you a heads up of these questions and you didn't no. want them. So you, you didn't read that off a cue card. You knew that off no, the top no, no, of your no. head. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Favorite thing to do outside of work. Oof. I'm my lines between they work blur. and play are, are are pretty tough. Like I got into college teaching because I'm such a current events junkie that is a way to slightly monetize how much I keep up with the news and how much I read. Um I am a, a prolific reader. I'm really involved in politics. Um I live in the first in the nation, primary state of New Hampshire. I'm going to see Vice President Pence uh speak tonight. So um, I'm really, really involved in, in local, state, and national politics. That's really important to me. For pure fun stuff, how about skiing? Because there's an example of something nice. that is 
uh, exhilarating, and I'm not even good at it, but it still makes me feel good. <laughs> my kids are way better than me at skiing already. And uh, last ski season, my twins were five and the baby was three. Awesome. 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 So how can our listeners find out more about you, learn more about your, uh, your program, or maybe come yeah. try to be an intern for you? Yeah, we got uh, four this summer. Um, we have three of six hired for the fall, and we're going to be hiring seven in the spring. Best way to get plugged into that program would be to email uh, Abby Salter on our team. Her email is as, as in Abby Salter, dot Lexdanry, as dot L-E-X-D-A-N-R-E, as in real estate, at gmail.com. Dan Hanford would kill me if he knew that I was still using ghetto Gmail. Uh, domains and nothing fancier than that, but yeah, that's what, that's what I'm doing. So that's how you get a hold of Abby and her title is affiliate legal analyst and human capital management. She's the gatekeeper. She's the bad gal sometimes has to say, say no or not yet to people, but she is the, the point of entree for those um, really junior level opportunities with us. And the best way to see a tease of what and where we're up to is to check us out on Instagram um, at Lexdan R E. And for now that URL ag com will redirect right to our Instagram feed. Awesome. Awesome. Alex, thank you so much for joining us. I really, uh, really appreciate it. Definitely want to follow up uh, offline with you on a few more other things and uh, look forward to keeping up with you on your journey, man. Laissez les bon temps rouler. Awesome. Take it easy. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.